0: Bibles this morning. Go with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew will be your first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 13. Now, what I read today may be a little different than your translation because I was actually inspired by the Holy Spirit this week to read from the King James Version. And and I think the reason being is because when we get to the last part where we come to the Lord's Prayer, this is the prayer that everybody remembers through the King James Version. So once you find your place in Matthew 6 and 5, please stand for the reading of God's Holy Scriptures. And please bear with me because I'm going to tell you my, my redneck tongue in King James Version Is not a good combination at all. But I will get through it in the name of Jesus. If you got your place, say amen. Jesus said, and when they when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verse 7, when, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye asked of him. And after this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the reading of your holy scriptures. We thank you for the answering of our prayers, Lord. We see that you're doing great and miraculous things in our little church. And Lord, we just ask you'll continue to show us your favor. Father, my prayer today is that you'll just speak through me. Lord, this morning as I was praying with you, I was just picturing myself like a puppet in your hand. And and I just ask God just just to be that. your words come out of my mouth. Your actions come out of my life. I want my life, Lord, to be in your hands today. Speak through me, Lord. Have your way in my life, Lord, and touch your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, you have something here today that we need to learn, and I ask God that you'll help me to teach it by the power of the living God through the Holy Spirit. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. And amen, you may be seated. It's funny because when I worked out my sermon this week, I forgot one part, and that was the title of the lesson. I don't know how I forgot that, and I went through it and said, well, I didn't give it a title. So let me go ahead and give you the title of our sermon before I dive in. And the title is, This is How You Should Pray. If you would, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, We all need to learn how to pray in Jesus' name. So we're in the first book of the New Testament this morning. The book of Matthew. Matthew is actually the one that Jesus saved called Levi. Levi was one of the chief tax collectors. And what we see in here in the book of, of Matthew is that a great transformation in his life because no longer is he a tax collector, but now he is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and he has recorded for us today some instructions given to us by Jesus Christ himself. And so this morning, we're beginning a sermon series. I haven't done a series in a while, so I hope that you guys will bear with me for several weeks. I'm not sure how long this will take us to go through, but I'm going to tell you, I'm just scratching the surface this morning. But we're starting a sermon series that is entitled, This is How You Should Pray. Now, personally, I would think that this would be probably the most important lesson that you could ever learn as a Christian and that is communication with the father but I believe last week was the most important sermon that you could ever learn in your entire life and that was do not let Jesus Christ pass you by And Alejandro, he simply said to me at the table, man, I I felt like you were speaking to me. Well, I was speaking to him and I was speaking to everybody that was in here. But the honest truth, it was not me speaking at all, but God speaking through these lips of clay, speaking to his heart. Come on, amen. But the sad news is that many people miss the opportunity that Jesus gives them to come to the cross. And unfortunately, since they do miss, they end up in that God-forbidden place called hell. The Bible says, I'm not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. God's not wanting anyone to, to go to hell. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 23 and 33... He says, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape from being condemned to hell? He tells us in Matthew 10 and 28, do not be afraid of those that can destroy the body and cannot destroy the soul, but rather be afraid of the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. And I thank God that he has delivered us from that opportunity to go to hell. Can I get an amen? Ephesians five fourteen, Paul said, This is why it is says, Wake up, you sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, of course, we can prove that this last week's message was the most important lesson because Jesus tells us clearly without any doubt. If someone would ask me, I, now I've read through the scriptures Many times, over and over and over again. I'm not going to tell you how many times I've read through it because it's none of your business. But I can tell you this, it's a lot. I mean a lot. Since 97, I've been reading every day in the Word of God. Every day, I read, read, read. And if someone would come to me and say, Preacher, out of what you know, which is not much, but out of what you know, please tell me What is the most important verse? If you could give me one verse out of the Bible, which one would it be? And I would say without any doubt in my heart right now would be John chapter 3, verse 3, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And I'm so glad that my future son-in-law was born again last week. So I ask you right now, have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you been born from above? Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Just like Levi, he was changed. He was born again, born from above. And because of his transformation, we have an account of the life of Jesus Christ, and we are looking at one of His teachings through the Word of God. But understand this this morning. Today's lesson is so important because it is about you and I, the children of the living God, communicating communicating with the Father, the Creator of all things, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, what you have to understand, the Bible says that God is spirit. Everybody say God is spirit. The Bible says that, that those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. God is truth. God is light. We are human beings. We We are made in the image and the likeness of God. So we all have a spirit. We live in a body. Come on. We have a soul. And so we're trying to communicate to a spiritual being, all spirit. He's not limited to things like we are, like time and space. And so for you and I to communicate with him, we need some instructions on how to communicate by our prayer life. In other words, Jesus has laid down for us a pattern for us to follow. And we're going to learn today what what God desires from us in our prayer, prayer time. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 and 29, words of Solomon, he said, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. In other words, when we are born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, we become the righteousness of Christ. In, in other words, when we pray, we're not like the world because the moment that we begin to pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Father is tuned in to every single word that we pray. You remember Jesus said, what, what son would ask his father for a, a a, a fish, and he would give him a stone. Or if he would ask for bread, would give him a stone. Or you know what I'm talking about? Come on, amen. But 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 we, being a man, we have to learn how to communicate with a spiritual being, the Father above us. And I want you to think about this: if if you have an army, and the army is coming against his opponent, if if he can take that army's communication system out. If he can destroy the communication system, he will have an advantage over that, his opponent. And I can promise you, he could possibly even win the war. Because he knows that without any communication, there is no no direction from the leader. If you can remove the communication between you and I to God, we have no direction. In other words, the plan of the adversary who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he has a purpose, and that is he is trying his best to interrupt our prayer life between God and the Father and the Son and you and I. Are you with me this morning? So he's trying to interrupt our communication. He's trying to block it, to knock it out, to take our lives and get us so busy that we're too busy to take the time to pray. But understand, when Solomon, when he dedicated the the temple to the Lord, he built this great temple like no ever built before. His son David had it in his heart, but David was not allowed to build the temple, but Solomon, his son, he built the temple of the Lord, and when he dedicated, the word of the Lord came to Solomon, and he says these words in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. He says, if my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil way. Then will I hear from heaven. I will heal their land and forgive their sins. I've always loved the way that James says in 4 and 7. He says, Submit yourselves, then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. From you. So, so we see a process here. We, we have to learn to submit to one another. Submit to each other. Emily would not like, like to submit to Alejandro, but as a man of God, it's her responsibility. If they, if they choose to get married, and I know they will one day, that it's her responsi- responsibility to learn to submit Because if you cannot submit to your husband, you don't know anything about communicating. Come on, amen. In in other words, what makes me and my wife have a great relationship is because she submits to my authority. She always says that, you know, you're the head, but I'm the neck that turns the head. I said, don't use that on me. I don't like that. It's not biblical. That's out of my fat Greek wedding or whatever. (laughs) But, 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 but nevertheless, she, she submits to my authority, and, and sometimes I let her push it. But, but sometimes I have to put my foot down, and I just say, no. No. That, that's her worst word she hates, no. But, but the, honestly, I hate the word no when I ask God for something in my life. But but if you're in a prayer, if you're praying with God, communicating with God, you will learn that sometime his answer is no. Should I take this job? No. Should I buy this car? No. But a lot of times we buy it anyway. Then we're like down the road saying, man, I can't afford these payments. What was I thinking? Well, God said, no, no, no. I want to give you an acronym this morning. Three letters, P-W-C. It's taken from 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. These are some direction from the Apostle Paul written to the church of Thessalonica. P-W-C, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Ceasing. That means continually, uninterrupted, on every occasion, and constantly. In other words, if I ask you during this sermon, Hey guys, when are we supposed to pray? PWC. Pray without ceasing. In other words, Paul's trying to say something. You need to be talking to the Father constantly. I was watching a boxing match the other night on, on YouTube, whatever it is, and, and I was watching that the guy he was, one, one of the guys, his, his mouth was moving. I saying, you know what? No one knows what he's doing, but I know what he's doing. He's trying to get some words, some direction from the father because the guy he was fighting with was lethal. Come on, amen. So he's like, you know, you can see he's talking. And he wasn't talking smack to the opponent. He was trying, I could tell what he was doing. He was praying. And I see a lot of people that will drop in the corner and whatever. And a lot of that's for sure. Come on, amen. They're, they're not praying. This guy was praying. You know, you might not heard his word, but you could tell that he was, he was trying to get information. Or he was trying to get a hedge of protection. I don't know what he was praying, but it was something. Come on, Amen. And so Jesus, in our text, what you have to understand, he's he's teaching his disciples about how to pray, but what you need to realize is that Jesus knew that his words would be recorded in the Bible. In his time, there was no Bible. There was the scrolls. Come on, amen. There wasn't what we have, but he knew that 2,000 and something years later, you and I would be sitting in the church reading the very words that he was speaking. In other words, 2,000 years have already passed and he's still teaching the same exact lesson. Let me explain it for you why that happens. 2 Peter 3 and 8 says this But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Let me bring it to the rubber where the rubber meets the road. In other words, it's only been two days for Jesus since he left. Think about that. In other words, what he was saying, he said, in a couple of days my people are going to be reading about this in my Bible. In other words, time in the essence of God is not like our time because he's not bound by it. I mean, you can live a thousand years in heaven, and you will still like, you feel fresh. You know, when you first wake up, you get your coffee, you feel fresh. And and by the end end of the day, you're like, man, (laughs) come on, amen. I can't wait to get in the bed because I'm wore out. Well, in heaven, you don't get worn out. But but when we're praying to God, we're, we're praying for things as it is in heaven. Come on Amen. We, we want to be energized. We want the power. We want the anointing. We want the grace that is poured out in heaven upon our lives today. So we're learning today how to pray. But one thing that we do mess up on in our prayer life is that in many occasions throughout our life, we have gathered together and we have said, you know, let, let's say the Lord's Prayer. And we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, etc." But did you know that that prayer was not given to us for us to repeat over and over and over again? Why? Because it was a pattern. And if you and I compete, if we completely take that prayer and use it over and over, guess what we're doing? We're praying something called vain repetition. In other words, we're praying from our minds and not our, y'all said it, from your hearts. Why are we praying from our minds? Because we're just repeating something that was already said. I'm going to take y'all somewhere this morning. Can y'all go with me? Verse 7 of our text says this, but when you pray, use not Vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. In other words, when we say, Our Father who are in heaven, we're just going, we're just, God's not really tuned into that. But when you're on your face before God and you're saying, Oh Lord, I don't even know what to pray, God's like, Yes. Now that's a prayer. Come on, amen. Because you're praying from Your heart, are you with me this morning? Now, here's where we messed up, raising up our children. We raised our children to pray vain repetition. I was raised to pray vain repetition. How do I know? Because I remember what we prayed. At supper time, God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Amen. Then it was time to lay down at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray to the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Bless mama. Bless daddy. Come on, amen. And so as children, we learn to pray wrong. We, we learn to pray a pattern, we learn to pray something that came out of somebody else's mouth, when you should learn to pray from your heart. When my kids were little, I taught them those prayers, but as they got to a certain age, I said, now it's time to talk to God as though he is your father. And so I said, he, he would rather hear you tell him about Jack and the beanstalk than you to repeat that prayer over and over again. Are you with me this morning? And so that's why I'm saying that, that we're really out of place when we stood as, a, as, as, as the believers and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Because we're not praying from our... We're praying from our, our mouths, our minds. Jesus said in Mark 7 and 8, He said, You have left the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Mama did it. Grandma did it. I'm doing it. I'm saying, well, we're not going to do it. We're going to pray what God lays on our heart because we are led by the Spirit of God. We are the children of God. And the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. In other words, when you pray, you pray what the Holy Spirit lays on your heart to pray. We're going to go somewhere with this. Verse 5 of our text is this. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites. Now, looking into the Greek language for the word hypocrite, you're going to like this. You find the word hoopakrates. Hoop, hoop, like get. I mean, like a basketball hoop. Akrates, hoopakrates. It means an actor. Everybody say an actor. An actor, someone who is just playing a role of someone else. Let me bring it down. We've all seen the movie, what, Tombstone, like a million times. We know that Val Kilmer played an awesome role of Doc Holliday. I mean, probably the best that you've ever seen, but but let me say this. It doesn't matter how good and well he played the role, that does not make him Doc Holliday. Why? Why? Because he is an actor going through the motions. He's just speaking what is written on the paper. Those words are just, just words. They're, they're not meaning anything. It's hypocrisy, in other words. He's an actor. There, there was a movie we all seen called The Passion. A guy named Jim Ke- Kevazel I think his name is. He played the role of Christ. And he did a phenomenal job. But it doesn't matter how good he played the role. It does not make him Jesus Christ. Does it? Well, so similarly today, we have a lot of people playing the role of a Christian. And some are very good at it. They have everybody fooled that they are a Christian. But the reality of it is they're going through the motions of being one. But inside their heart, it has never been changed is still the same person they always was. In other words, you can play the game all you want. You can come to church. You can take the Lord's Supper. You can do all the things that the Christians do around you. But if your heart has not been changed, you will be the one that God will say, I never knew you. Depart from me into the lake of eternal fire. Are you with me this morning? Let's look in the book of Ezekiel eleven nineteen. God says, I will give you an undivided heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I think it goes on to say, and then you will be my people, and I will be your God. Come on, amen. It goes on to say something like that. In other words, God said, I'm going to take this stony, cold, dead heart out of you, and I'm going to take it out I'm going to toss it to the deepest sea, never to be found, and I'm going to put you a new heart inside of you. One that has feeling, one that has love, grace. It has everything. And so, this is how we can tell when someone has been changed because inside, for the first time, they have feeling for others. What is this? I'm kind of like Jack the Pumpkin King. What's this? What's this? Because when I was saved, I'm like, what's this? What, what is this? I'm, 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 what's this coming out of my face here? Something called tears. What's this? I have feeling for people. I mean, I actually want to open my mouth and tell somebody about Jesus. Why? Because I'm not the same. Because prior to that, I could care less. Come on, Amen. But when I was changed, even the people that hated me, I could try to find there. There's still some love for those people. Maybe I should just pray for them. You see, there's something taking place here. And so and so what I'm saying is, is that 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 when you become a a true child of God. Then you have this new heart that truly wants to pray to the father in a different way. I don't just want to say, now lay me down to sleep, but, but I want to talk to my Father. I want to talk to Him in a way that He deserves. He, he deserves my complete respect and honor. And I want to reach out to Him. And, and so Jesus is laying down a pattern for us to follow so we can, we, can, we can learn how to, and the way He learns His how to, He begins by showing us what not to do. Our text says in verse 5, the be part, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing on the standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Back to the actor. Why do actors act? Why do they like to play the role? Because they love to be seen by others. Oh man, I, I can't wait. I hope I win me an award for my performance. See, that's that's the whole thing of a hypocrite is that they want to be seen by others. They do what they do so that they can be glorified and not the Father be glorified through them. Am I making any sense at all with this? And I believe the reason why we close our eyes And we bow our heads when we pray so that no flesh may boast before him. Have you ever wondered why? I've never really thought about it until right now. Why do we actually close our eyes and bow our head? It's it's a sign of humility. It's a sign that I'm not looking at nobody and nobody's seeing me. And so when I pray, it's just between me and the Father. So Jesus, he tells us how not to pray. Don't pray like the hypocrites. In in other words, Jesus is drawing us some boundaries to stay in. When we were children in kindergarten, my mom said, how do you remember so much way back? I don't know. But I can remember stuff. And so here's what I remember. I remember the teacher getting up on the chalkboard and she drew two squares with a real heavy boundary. And she said, this is what you don't want to do. And she colored outside the lines. And then she colored inside the lines. And she said, this is what you want your picture to look like. And in the same way, Jesus said, listen, I'm just giving you some boundaries. I'm just trying to show you how to color in the line." Stay in these boundaries and all of a sudden your prayer life will become a beautiful portrait of who I am. Oh, hallelujah. In, what, what you're actually doing, you're actually reflecting me because you're following my pattern, my, what I, I showed you where to stay. You stay in these boundaries and your prayer life will be phenomenal. Psalm 74 and 17 says this. It was you who set all boundaries on the earth. In the same way Jesus said, see, you don't go no farther. Stars, you stay here. Children, this is how you should pray. Just drew us some boundaries. Are you with me this morning? And so the most important boundaries that he's drawn is not to pray like a hypocrite. Because a hypocrite loves to do things to be seen by the majority of people around them. That's why all the actors that you see on television... Are very self centered. They're prideful, they're arrogant because it's all about them. Romans two and eight. But those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. James three sixteen, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every evil practice. Philippians 2 and 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourself. Everybody say that. Consider others above yourself. Is your prayer life filled with selfish ambition? Oh, what what, did you say? I said, are you just praying about you? Oh, (laughs) Are you just praying about your stuff? You're being self-centered, you're being self-focused. Oh Lord, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do it? And you're all you're just talking about you. What about loving your neighbor as your self? That, that's a problem with us because our prayer life is all about me. Lord, I pray for me and these three. Come on, it's all about me. Come on. We need to get outside our boundaries to fit inside the boundaries of Christ. He prayed for the world. God so loved the world. His focus was not on him. His focus was on others. He came to save the world. He didn't come to save himself. His prayers was about the people around him. His prayers about the people, you and I. His prayers was all about getting us to the level that he's called us to be in with him. Now, a hypocrite is someone who tries to speak in front of everyone. They can't wait to get in front of the church. They they want to sound more elegant, more powerful, and more convincing than anybody else. Why? Because they want the attention. They want to be seen. Now, I'm going to freak you out with this one. And it's going to really freak you out when I say this. But listen to what I'm saying. If I ask certain people to pray in front of the church, they'll say, No, Pastor, I can't do that. I'm afraid to pray. Can I say this to you? You're walking in hypocrisy. How could that be hypocritical if I'm afraid to pray? Let me explain it. Because you, my friends, are worried about what everybody else will think about you, what you're saying. Go with me to Galatians, Galatians one and ten. I'll prove it to you. Am I now trying? Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, then I would not be a servant of Christ. So if I say, I need you to pray for us today, this morning, open us up in prayer. Oh, pastor, I'm afraid. I said, you hypocrite. Did I get anybody's mailbox on that one at all? Come on. Because most of us are like, man, I, I'm just not comfortable with it. And let me tell you why you're not comfortable is because you're so worried. Someone said, did you hear his prayer? I can't believe he prayed like that. Come on, amen. That's how we think. What if I mess up? Did you know that when I started preaching years, I'm talking years ago as a young evangelist, did you know that I wrote down my prayers? You know Why? Because I was more fearful of the people than I was of God. And not only that, but I was trying to impress people with my prayer. How foolish I was. I was walking in hypocrisy. It's when I became more mature that I said, you know what? Who cares what you think about how I pray? Because I'm not talking to you anyway. My prayers are going to who? Our Father who art in heaven. That's who I'm talking to. So it doesn't matter what you say. If I ask you to pray and you come up here and you say, Mary had a little lamb. Come on. And if that's what you want to say to the Father, hallelujah, if that's what the Spirit laid on your heart to say. Are you with me this morning? Now I'm going to really challenge you. Do I have time? Where's Kobe? Man, I'm going to really challenge you about the hypocrisy of speaking in tongues. Oh, and if you are Pentecostal, Pentecostal, don't get mad at me. If you're listening to this program, I'm just trying to help you to understand what the Bible really says, not what your preacher's trying to convince you that it says, but what it actually really says. And I'm going to teach you about speaking in tongues, but this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in a way that I've never done it before. This is how I'm going to teach you how to speak in tongues because I'm not going to give you my interpretation. I'm just going to read you scriptures that God gave me to show you exactly how it's supposed to be done. So write down 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. Now Paul, he he tells us that he speaks in tongues, because tongue is a prayer language. It's given to us so that we may communicate to the Father. Okay? You with me? First Corinthians 14 and 2. "For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to who. Can we stop there for a moment? It do not speak to who? It's not for men, but for who? but to God. Indeed. No one understands him. He utters mysteries by his spirit or by the spirit. First Corinthians 14 and six. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? In other words, what good will it do if you can't understand me? Oh, here we go. First Corinthians 14 and 9. So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will be just speaking into the air. 1 Corinthians 14, eight through 18 through 20. Paul says, I think God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, everybody say in the church. In the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil. Be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. What Paul's getting at right here is that when he does pray in tongues, He does it in something called his prayer room. Are you with me this morning? In other words, he he kept his prayer language in his prayer time so that no flesh may boast before God or man because he, God, will not share his glory with another. In other words, some people speak in tongues to bring glory to them. You know why? Because they want people to think more highly of them. Oh, he's a super Christian. Listen to him. He can really speak in tongues. God will not share his glory with another. When I first started preaching, I too would get up and I would speak in a tongue. Was it real or false? I don't know now because I'm really weighing it out. Was I doing it to be seen and heard by others? Or was I truly trying to get a revelation from the Father? Only God knows, does he? Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 13, I think 11. Yeah. So when I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child, a reason like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Everybody say that God is not the author of confusion. I'm going to tell you, I've been in churches and everybody's standing up and speaking in tongues all at once. I was confused. Not only was I confused, but I felt uncomfortable. And so you're going to tell me that's God? I'm going to tell you it's not. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. It's everybody trying to get somebody to hear them for someone to give them some Notification, or whatever. Notification. What is it? Thank you. So, what do we do with this? Let me show you. I can speak in tongues, but here's the question. Do anybody, let's just raise your hand. If you have the gift of interpreting the tongue, please raise your hand right now. Okay, so there's not one soul in this church that has the gift of interpreting the tongues. So I have no business speaking in tongues because I have no interpreter. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 through 28, we're talking about prayer, communication. We're talking about talking to God in the Spirit. He said if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time. How many at a time? At a time. Not the whole church stand up and pray in tongues. No, that's not biblical. Am I helping anybody? Someone must interpret it. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three, or two, or at the most three, should speak. One at a time, someone must interpret it. Everybody say, someone must interpret it. If there is no interpretation, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Sometimes you'll see me up here. has done lost it like a kung fu movie. Fight me. Come on, Amen. But, but what I'm doing, sometimes I'm praying in the spirit, trying to get information on something that somebody needs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. And, and so what I'm doing, I'm not trying. I'm trying to communicate to the Father, trying to get revelation knowledge. Because I never know what you're going through. But I don't do it in, in order to get glory to myself. I'm doing it for the glorification of the body of the church. If Leland had the gift of of, of interpreting tongues, I would speak all the time in tongues. Because he would stand up and he said, Thus saith the Lord. Come on, amen. And we'd be like, oh my gosh. It'd be awesome. But we don't have that. So we have to do what? Am I helping anybody? Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Every single day, I thank God for my shack in the back. Can we pull it up? Yeah. You want to know where it happens? It happens right in there. See what it says above the door? Believe. I walk in, I'm thinking, I got to believe. I got to trust. Let's go on inside. That's it. Simple, (laughs) plain. But you'll notice there's a, I don't know if you can see it. But right there is my my prayer board. See the pink things? Little special notes. It's right there I'm sitting. I'm looking at this board and I'm focused on people. I got Emily's and Alejandro's new home. I got Amber's situation. Come on. I got got many, many prayer requests on that board. When it goes on that board, I can promise you I may be speaking in tongue. I may be, no matter what it takes, I'm going to try to get something done. I'm reaching to the one that has a way to move mountains. When I come up here, I want to have a word. So I go in there, and I thank God for that room. Because you can't see me, and I can't see you. And what I do in there is private. It's personal. It's between me and God. And, and let me just say this. If you don't have a prayer room or a prayer closet or go go get you a cardboard box one about the size of an ice box and just crawl in it and write prayer box that way let me say when you're locked up in somewhere you I don't have no windows see you're in a place that you can't be distracted because we started out about how the enemy trying to distract our communication. So you get locked up in your box with God. You you get your focus on and you get your ears on. You turn off your mind because your mind's all wrapped up in the world. You turn all that off and you begin to open up your heart and your mind and you begin to talk to the Father and the Holy Spirit leads you certain directions and you begin to write down. Don't tell me I pray in my car. That's good because we pray without ceasing. But that's just one way to pray. But you need a place where you can lock yourself in and write down stuff because you will forget what God told you. And he'll tell you where to go, how to get there, and he will communicate to you because God loves communication with his children. You got rooms in your house you ain't used for years. Some of you got a bed in your room, you got a dresser in your room, you got everything for someone, and no one's in there, and you're wasting that space. Get it out, get you a desk, get you a couch, get you a stereo something that you can put some anointed music in there, turn it on low, light you some candles, get along with God and see what happens. In other words, turn off your television. <laughs> turn off the television for a little while. Go in there and get along with God. And I can promise you, you will hear from the Father. And that, my friend, is called the rewards. Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. The Bible says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Jesus said, ask, Matthew 7, 7, and 8 asking it will be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open unto you. Do you remember these words? This is where I close. Jesus says, listen, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break into steal. but store up your treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, for where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, what we do in secret, God will reward you openly. God rewards his children openly. You see people like, man, how come they are so blessed? God's showing out. See, the reason God's doing this blessing is because he's trying to show you what he can do. He's not doing it because he's prideful or arrogant. He's showing you what can happen if you'll just pull away from the world and lock yourself up away from the world and get along with him, and he will reward you. And if he do not reward you here, fine, he'll get you in heaven. I, I heard a program the other day. This is sad. I'm not even going to call their names, but they're, they're, they're super preachers. One had $360 million in his account. $360 million. One of them had $100 million. His wife had $100 million. They both had ministry. That's $200 million. I'm thinking, how much money does it take To be a pastor. Do do I need a jet? No, man. I just need something to get me from here to there. Do I need a dress? No. I just need to use my mouth. See, men are caught up in things. Preachers are caught up in things. That's why they're always in your wallet. Because, man, I got to have that Armani suit and watch, Rolex watch. I got to have, no, no, no. No, no, no. Those men are all about self. I'm going to blow on you, and you're going to fall in the power of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> come on. You come up here, and I pray for you, and you hit the floor, I can promise you I didn't push you. I'm be like, ooh, wow, that was, God did that, not me. When I've prayed for people, and I see things happen, I didn't do it. Let's get it straight. I'm just like you, going, What? In other words, if God rewards me when I pray for you, let's give him the glory, not me. Don't don't say, our pastor's awesome. He healed this man. No, I didn't heal nobody. I can't heal nobody. It's God working through me. He will not share his glory with another. And so when I pray, I'm just like, Lord, I'm trying to get up under that pulpit because I'm afraid you're looking at me, you know, praying like this. No, no please don't ever try to put me on a pedestal. That's why we brought me down, because I could not stand being up on the stage. I want to get down here like Jesus with the sheep. Get low with the people, because I'm just like you. That's why I like to sit down, because I feel more like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? It just feels better the lower I get. Sometimes I just want to lay down and preach. I might do that sometime, Leland. Might be the best message we ever heard. Face to the floor. <laughs> Come on, Amen. Let's all stand. See, we just started learning how to pray, and we began by looking at what not to do. We don't want to be praying like a hypocrite. It's interesting that Alejandro would get saved. And the first thing God's going to show him is how to pray. Isn't that interesting? to pray I told him I said son when you get that Bible and you get home today don't go to Genesis don't go to Matthew go to the book of Acts chapter 7 and I want you to read the story of how this young man named Stephen was about to be stoned to death and he speaks to the the Pharisees and he goes through a through z he he gives you an outline of the entire Bible If you want some revelation, go to Acts chapter 7. Then you say, what? What He's he's telling the story of Moses and the law. He's showing how God through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He tells the story in a short... He he tells you the whole Bible in, in, in just one chapter, basically. Get you a good foundation. Start there. So you understand what the Bible's about. Then you begin in Genesis and then get into revelation. Then all of a sudden the pieces start fitting together. Because I'm telling you, if you start in Revelation, you've never read the Bible, you're going to be in freak zone. Because you're going to see creatures with eyes. And come on, amen. Terry's like, I want to see out of both eyes. Well, come on up. I'm talking to you, man. Come on up. Sammy, if you would. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Go ahead and take it off, bro. Take that patch off there. Close your eyes. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I don't know how the eye works or how the brain works, but Lord, you created it. Lord, and I just right now, in the name of Jesus... I'm just going to touch right here behind his neck where all those nerve endings are going from the spine down through his entire body. And I know it even goes through the eyes. The eyes are the window of the heart, Lord. Right now, Lord, I just pray victory over this lie of the devil. Lord, your word says that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. And the chastise of peace is upon you and by your stripes, God, we heal. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Father, I ask you to just bless him and heal him in the mighty name of Christ, Lord. Lord, take this double vision and bring it back together to be one. Lord, you're not divided. Your kingdom is not divided. And so right now we stand by the grace of Christ that you will heal him in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. Here I got something for you too, man. Take this with you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, what is that, Pastor, you gave him? Now you take them. You say, what is that, Pastor? i tell you exactly what it is. It's a cloth that he gave me to pray over and anoint. And I said, let me just wear it in my pocket. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's flowing out of me will flow into that cloth. And just put it up under your pillow. You say, "Oh, that's foolish." It's foolish to you. I've seen God use candy to heal a man. I had a friend. Their, 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 I don't know if there was. I think it was their uncle was sick, was dying. I need. He needs prayer. I said, "What's his favorite candy?" She said, "M and M's." I said, "Bring me a box." And I put that box of M and M's in my pocket, bro. That boy ate that candy. And God set him free. How? Because God takes the foolish things. And he used, he used whatever to heal. It don't have to be a cloth, but that's just a symbol of his grace. Isn't that crazy? i I, I tell you what I see in my spirit right now. I see an, an infection in someone's, someone's head. I don't know what it is. Someone has an infection in their, their head. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that sickness in the name of Christ by the power of the living God. Lord, Your blood is life. Right now, Lord, just take that blood in that body and just flow over that sickness and purify it, Lord. Take the sickness down to the kidneys and out the body in the name of Christ. We stand by the power of the living God. We call it done. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you.